Helo a chroeso i bodlediad yr Academy Genedlaethol ar gyfer arweinyddiaeth a ddysgol yng Nghymru. Podlediad sy'n rhannu materion ac arferion arweinyddiaeth allweddol ar draws y sector addysg yma yng Nghymru ac yn rhyngwladol. Hello and welcome to the podcast from the National Academy for Educational Leadership in Wales. A podcast that shares key leadership issues and practices across the education sector here in Wales and internationally. It gives me great pleasure to welcome our guest speaker, Professor Graham Donaldson, to present to us this morning, Croesa Graham. Pegwin, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, good morning, everyone. I'm, I'm delighted to... Uh, be able to be with you from uh, a not so sunny North Berwick, just uh, southeast of of, uh, of Edinburgh. It's uh, the last couple of years been quite strange because having spent um, the best part of of five years uh, catching planes from Edinburgh to Cardiff and and other parts of travelling to other parts of Wales, uh, the last couple of years um, I've been a bit like this, where I sit in my my study in North Berwick. Uh, and have the privilege of being able to engage in discussions about um, what's happening in Wales and and I hope help to um, explain why I think that Wales is better placed than most countries um, to move forward in the course of the next, um, the next few years in terms of how we serve our young people in very difficult times. Um, and I'm very conscious that there could hardly be a a more difficult time to talk about leadership, given uh, all the pressures which are around, not just financial pressures, but the pressures that have um, uh, followed us from the from the pandemic, um, which um, are on top of um, what was already um, uh, a huge build-up of expectations on the education on education systems across the world uh, as uh, as life becomes increasingly complex. So it's a it's a difficult time, but there's never been a more important time, I think, to talk about leadership and to examine just what leadership might mean uh, in the course of um, the next few years. Uh, just reflecting, we've 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 learned a lot uh, in the last 30 years or so about uh, what to do, but also what not to do if you want to uh, try to ensure that uh, every young person in in uh, whatever school they're in um, is getting a high quality education, which is relevant uh, and which is going to help to equip them for the kind of uh, world that they are going to to live in and, and and to be able to thrive in that world. I mean that the last thirty years has seen education become one of the political hot potatoes. Uh, it's moved from. Uh, a, a relative obscurity in political terms, um, where you know if you were appointed education minister, that was you know pretty good sign your career wasn't going anywhere. Uh, to now, uh, education ministers are uh, one of the key players in the cabinet, and uh, prime ministers and first ministers are very clear about uh, the importance of education in the overall um, work of government. So, and that's a bit of a mixed blessing. So, education has become very much at the heart of policy. Um, a result of that has been that, that, that all of us who are involved as professionals in the system, as educators in the system, uh, have had to learn how to relate 
to the political world in a way that really wasn't um, the case, certainly when I uh, started my uh, career. And we've seen over that 30-year period, we've seen the introduction of, of uh, PISA in 2000, which has added a, a, a pressure on the political world, and which that in turn has, has been reflected in implications for what we do in, in schools. Uh, there's been a running debate about the curriculum, um, uh, going back to 1988 and the, and the national curriculum. But since then, uh, across the United Kingdom and across the world, we've seen uh, successive uh, questions being asked about the nature of, of uh, the curriculum. And, and uh, it, uh, one time people have struggled to tell you what the word curriculum meant. It, 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 it was simply seen as the list of things that kids should learn and the subjects that they should um, uh, uh, be exposed to. Um, but gradually, I think all of us have come to, to realise that when we talk about the curriculum, we're talking about what schools are for, about the purpose of a school. The curriculum is the living embodiment of what it is that we think we can do for our children and what we think they can best learn uh, and grow as, as individuals uh, in a learning community uh, over the time, the relatively short time that we have them in, in school. We've also seen increased expectations which go, go with that. And I think all of us are conscious about the extent to which pressures on schools to to do better, to achieve better results, um, have magnified over the course of that 30 year period. Um, we've also seen more recently, I think, an understanding that um, uh, education systems are not simply run from the centre and schools are not just simply agents of the centre that deliver or implement something that has been determined elsewhere. But the notion of, of uh, school autonomy and teacher agency has become um, more accepted as being uh, that, that should be characteristic of a healthy education system, which is committed to its own Im improvement. And then we've had the pandemic, and we've had all that that that, uh, that brought with it. So, uh, over the course of that period, um, the nature of leadership uh, in education has itself um, had to evolve and uh, change. And what I'd like to do in the time that I've got is, is partly, and I hope this is not seen as self-indulgent, but partly um, to tell you what I've learned uh, uh, about leadership during my career, and that's by uh, observing and working with um, some very, very good leaders and some not so good leaders, uh, and also um, what I learned myself as, as the uh, uh, chief executive as the head of a of a of a, a large organisation um, in relative terms in the public sector, um, and and again reflecting on 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 that what 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 uh, what I think has made for um, leadership which is uh, successful uh, uh, and is clear about what success means in terms of of uh, of good leadership. So I want to just spend a little bit of time distilling from my own experience and, and my own reading, obviously, um, what I think are the characteristics of uh, and the features of really high quality leadership. Uh, and then I want to, to say a little bit about why, how that relates to what's happening in Wales, uh, how, that's, how that relates to the way in which Welsh education itself over the course of certainly the last decade uh, has changed quite dramatically and and that has had very significant implications for how we think about leadership um, at all levels uh, in the Welsh um, education system. So 
if I if I start with just a few questions, and and I suppose um, the the single most important thing uh, 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 that characterises, I think, uh, really high quality leadership is um, a commitment to a consistent uh, and coherent set of values, uh, which guide and underpin. Uh, the kind of decisions that that leaders have to take, often difficult decisions, and that's reflected in uh, a clear sense of purpose, a clear uh, understanding about what matters, um, uh, and being being very um, focused. When we're talking about educational leadership, being very focused on uh, how what we do in whatever level you, one is involved in a leadership capacity, how what we do will actually uh, act to the benefit of our learners uh, and our young people. If there's if there's one message that that um, I continually try to um, uh, transmit to myself and to others is constantly saying, what about the young people? Uh, when we get very caught up in the specifics of the moment, uh, uh, and the, the 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 thing that we're engaged in can become the purpose. Uh, uh, what I need to constantly remind myself, and which I think is very important, is just to pull back and keep on asking that question about what difference is this making for young people, and is this, uh, 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 as it works out, likely to be the kind of thing which is going to to lead to um, them having the kind of educational experience which we'd all want them to have. Uh, one of the one of the luxuries, if that's the right word, during lockdown was that I, I probably did uh, I had the opportunity to read a bit more widely than um, had was the case when you're in the middle of of uh, 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 lots of things that you need to get that are competing for your attention. Um, and one of the one of the books that I read, which I wouldn't probably have read otherwise, was by uh, Mark Carney, the former. Uh, governor of the Bank of England. It's called Values, and it was published in 2021. And there was a quote in that, which, um, and he's referring to economics. He's referring to to the way in which financial systems and economic systems have uh, developed. But I think it applies also to um, how we think about education. I'll just very briefly read the quote, a short quote. He says, does the narrowness of our vision, the poverty of our perspective, mean that we undervalue what matters to our collective well-being. In other words, that we can become so focused on, um, in economic terms, the specifics of whatever it might be, and goodness knows in a couple of hours' time, we're going to hear a bit about that uh, in uh, in Westminster, but to become so focused on um, the specific of the moment that we do lose sight of what really matters. We do lose sight of uh, the, the values that, that uh, underpin uh, why we come into education in the first place, and uh, why it is that, that all of us, everyone on this on this uh, uh, call, um, are there because they want to serve young people and they want young people uh, to have a fantastic experience in school, and through that experience to be equipped to move forward in in life. So, so that first thing about leadership is something that I think is just so important, and that's to. To, to, to have a strong and secure set of values and to be very focused on purpose that relates ultimately to experience that young people are are, uh, are going to get. And that's at whatever level, level of the system you are, whether you're the, uh, whether you're the, the, the minister or whether you're a teaching assistant or whatever, whatever you are, 
uh, that matters. Uh, the, the second uh, message, and, and this is uh, interesting in the context of the of the um, the evolution of of uh, pressures that there have been on 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 those in leadership positions in school, uh, is that we're likely to achieve more uh, if we persuade rather than tell. Uh, in other words, if people uh, if the people who are going to actually have to do it uh, actually will engage directly with young people in uh, in learning, um, believe in what they're doing, uh, feel a sense of ownership of what they're doing, uh, uh, and and really believe it's in the best sense of the young people. And I'm certainly, as I reflect on 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 my career, there have been times where. Uh, what we've been doing is 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 done because it's 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 required, and sometimes people's hearts weren't uh, 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 all that much in it. Um, one of the things when I was doing the the, uh, the the work in advance of the of the successful futures report, and that meant that I uh, I tried to listen to uh, as wide a cross section of of. Uh, uh, people who are engaged in education in Wales that I possibly could and spent the best part of three months just doing that, absorbing, um, immersing myself uh, in that. One of the worrying things that came through to me was um, uh, there were too many instances where teachers were telling me that they didn't, the, the job was a grind, uh, that that the, they were doing what they felt they had to do. Uh, and sometimes they felt they were doing things they weren't supposed to do, but they thought they were in the best interest of children. I was actually said on some occasions, uh, I'm not sure if we're doing this, so don't tell anyone, but, but how about this? Uh, and that notion of, of uh, uh, people wanting, those who are, are engaged in the process, feeling a sense of ownership, feeling that they, uh, they believe in what they're doing is just, is, just, uh, is just so important. And of course, that means that those in leadership positions have got to model the kind of behaviour which they're talking about. Um, so that notion of 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 uh, uh, adopting building the community uh, in a way that that uh, engages people in the process of thinking about what matters uh, uh, and thinking through how to um, put that into practice um, is is uh, is just so important. The third thing uh, 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 which comes across to me is that we that uh, again partly because um of the pressures of the moment we can become so focused on 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 one thing that we lose sight of the fact that in fact um a school uh, an education system um is 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 a highly interdependent uh uh uh, system that there's lots and lots of interdependencies that if you if you if you if you affect like jenga you know you Pull something out. You go very careful. The whole tower doesn't fall down. Um, and that notion of of a of a um, of interdependence and of thinking through the consequences of particular actions and the implications of particular actions for what needs to happen elsewhere in the, in the system is just uh, or the context is just is just uh, is just so important. So the third thing is is that um, pulling back a bit. And trying to think about the interdependencies, trying to think what else needs to happen if the kind of thing that we're focusing on is really going to to work um, is another message. And again, I think there are some um, outstanding examples of where that has has uh, has worked well. But there's also, unfortunately, too many examples of where, particularly the policy focus, 
has been on looking for the silver bullet, you know, the one thing that will make the difference uh, and not really thinking about the, the uh, not paying sufficient attention to all of the, the things that have to be in place. And that applies again in leadership terms at every level uh, in a system. Uh, the, the, the fourth thing, and I think, I think in education, we, we've um, ironically, uh, as educators, we have not been as um, committed to investing in the in the professional development of our own staff as we should have been. Uh, and when you think about it, it's a no-brainer. You know that the reality is that that things will only happen uh, through the uh, skills. Uh, of of those who are actually involved in the learning and teaching process, uh, and that therefore investing in staff, investing in the professional development of staff, investing in giving staff the time uh, to be able to engage in thinking through um, uh, how they're serving their children, thinking through the nature of of uh, uh, of the learning and teaching process is just so important. Uh, and uh, interesting, uh, an example of that. Um, uh, from uh, 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 Far Eastern uh, systems would be uh, lesson study. Uh, that the notion that um, uh, as uh, as part of a of a process of professional development, in exactly the same way as a surgeon would plan an operation um, and think about it very carefully, lesson study is based on the same kind of principle that that uh, uh, the whole business of of the complexity of how a disparate group of young people are actually going to learn is an incredibly complex um, uh, process. All of those young people are individuals. Um, all of those young people bring uh, to the learning situation um, lots and lots of different backgrounds and experiences and also uh, 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 variations in their willingness or to engage with the uh, with the process. So that, so that the nature of the teaching and learning process, I think we have consistently underestimated just how complex that is, and that therefore investing in in our uh, in in our teachers, investing in all of those who are engaged, the practitioners who are engaged in that process, is the single most important way in which we will actually uh, bring about real change and improve um, the quality of the of the experience and learning of our uh, of our young people. There was some research done in New Zealand um, uh, a few years ago, and and it looked at the, the, the things that leaders can do. Uh, in order to bring about real improvement and way ahead of everything else. Uh, and that piece of work was uh, invest in staff. And that's not that's not simply training staff, which is what we've tended to do. There's an innovation. So we need to train teachers to be able to implement the innovation. It's different from that. It's building the capacity of, of uh, all of us who are involved in the process to be able to be creative, to be able to be part of, of shaping that uh, uh, the change rather than simply being trained to implement or put into practice a change. Uh, so that, that's the, the, the fourth reflective message that, that, uh, that uh, I've got. When I was head of, of uh, the inspectorate in Scotland, one of the things, and we went through phases where budgets were under pressure, one of the things which I consistently uh, was very clear I wasn't going to cut, and that was the time that was that was there uh, for inspectors to be able to uh, grow professionally uh, 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 in the course of their uh, uh, their careers. That, that that the only the only way in which an inspector is a 
uh, a credible body is if the people who are doing the inspection themselves are highly credible and are, and are recognised for their expertise, recognised for the nature of their professionalism, not just simply because they happen to have a, a label in front of them. So that notion of, of, of capacity building seems to me to be incredibly important um, uh, 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 in terms of, of leadership, thinking about how to build the capacity of, of, uh, of staff. Uh, in, in cultural terms, um, uh, we've tended to think about change as being uh, a kind of iterative process. You do one change, then you do another change, then you do another change. Uh, and in fact, uh, what we need to try to do, I think, in leadership terms, is to create a culture within which change is not something that is a one-off, but we're constantly in the process of trying to think through uh, how we can uh, get better at what we're doing. So a culture of learning, a culture of improvement, um, not not one-off changes. I mean, one-off changes are obviously part of that, but but that's part of a broader culture and, and creating that, that culture where, particularly as a profession, a teaching profession, we don't feel that change is done to us, but genuinely the nature of how things are, are evolving and changing in education uh, is done not just with us, but if, if we get it really well done, then those who are... Um, again at the sharp end, will be the ones who are actually leading the change, you're actually the ones who are uh, right in the forefront of, of, of change. Um, a couple more. The notion of, of agency I talked about earlier, the notion that, that, that uh, whenever possible, we should try to ensure that uh, the decisions that are going to make the biggest difference um, are taken by those who are actually going to put it into practice so that we we only constrain those decisions to the extent that that uh, we need to and that's a very it's an interesting job for for those who are in leadership positions is to think about that relationship between um who takes the decisions what decisions need to be taken um uh, where inside a, a a a school or a local authority or or a, uh, at a national uh, level, and that notion of of uh, what what is described as distributive leadership, um, I think is 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 an important one. Um, and, and if, in my experience, that the the more that is the case, the more the more you can create that context within as a, as a, as a, in terms of leadership, the more you tap into that that um, uh, elusive. Uh, element in the process, and that's discretionary effort. You know, that's that's the bit that somebody can give you if they want to, but if they don't give it to you, they still get by okay. It's 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 that extra bit, that discretionary effort, and the real test of our best leaders, I think, and best leadership cultures are where that discretionary effort that. You know, people give more than they more than they just have to. They give it because they want to, and they go beyond um, uh, that which is just simply enough to get uh, to get by. Um, so that that notion of distributive leadership, agency, um, discretionary effort, all of that seems to me again, if I reflect on on uh, uh, on my career, uh, 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 is an important element in really uh, successful and sustained uh, high quality. Openness, transparency, uh, again, an important part of the process, not uh, uh, so that people understand um, all of the factors that are at work, that it's not it's not a black box that 
you know, suddenly emerges and being committed to evaluation, being committed to saying, well, we may not have got it right uh, first time. We may not, this, this may not be working as well as we thought. We have to have processes that allow us to review, develop, grow, uh, reflect on on uh, what it is that, that that we're doing and have that as part of the culture. All the stuff around schools and learning organisations are really talking about uh, that notion of that kind of culture of a reflective culture, uh, one that is 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 participative but has that has transparency right at the uh, um, the heart of it. Uh, and then finally, in 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 particularly those who are in senior leadership positions, um, managing the wider environment is incredibly important, uh, you know, creating the conditions where you, um, as a senior leader, protect uh, uh, those in the school who are actually engaged in the process of learning and teaching. You protect them as far as you can from the external pressures that uh, are coming in and that you're, you're thinking about, you're scanning, thinking about, helping to manage uh, that external environment, whether that be a, the, 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 the parental environment that surrounds a school, whether that be at a local authority level in terms of pressures that are there or, 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 or through Eston or whatever, um, that as a leader, um, you're helping to create the conditions that allow people to do their job with the minimum worry about that external uh, in, environment. And again, if I reflect in my career, uh, I, I, I have known of leaders who, when they were under pressure, my God, you were under pressure ten times over because they just they just multiplied the uh, the pressure. They didn't protect those in the front line from the pressure. If they were under pressure, my goodness, you were under pressure. So that that notion of 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 you know looking at the external environment and trying to ensure that that wherever you possibly can, you're anticipating those things that are likely to actually get in the way of um, high quality. Um, uh, education, your, your, the staff in the school being able to deliver high quality education or engage in high quality education is just so important. Um, so, sorry, that's a bit of a long list, but and it, 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 it's it's purely based on uh, my reflections of both um, observing and 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 being in leadership uh, positions in the course of of uh, my career, and all of that is a kind of constant balancing act. Uh, that uh, leaders have to engage in, a balancing act between the context, all of the stuff that's happening uh, round about you and the expectations that are on you and 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 and, uh, and the school or, or the institution. Um, you're balancing that against the commitment to what matters, the values that are underpinning you, the purposes that you're wanting to achieve uh, with young people. You're balancing that against the kind of strategic decisions you have to take about how you deploy uh, resources in order to try to um, achieve those purposes in relation to that context. Uh, and that, they, that there are then more tactical decisions that are about the nature of uh, the specifics on a day-to-day -day basis that need to be in place in order to make sure that that, that happens. And the, the, the pressures on leadership tend to push you towards the tactical it tends to push you along. So the balance tends to get tipped towards the things that are highly specific and of the moment, uh, uh, and that the the other things to do with 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 the the nature of of uh, what you can do to influence that broader context, how you can keep on reinforcing the values and purposes, and how you have a clear strategic notion uh, about where it is we're getting to in the longer run, not just what we have to do in order to. Um, 
get by on a, on a day-to-day basis. That constant balancing act, um, participating in that balancing act, engaging in that balancing act, um, should be um, underpinned by that very strong value position and set of principles uh, which define you as, as a leader or define all of us who are engaged at whatever level in leadership roles so that when we're taking decisions that, that they are rooted uh, in um, those values and those principles uh, which uh, are driving us in terms of, of uh, what it is that we think um, we can best do for our uh, young people and, and, uh, and learners more generally. So, so that's the first bit. I mean, that's that's the kind of of reflections that I I have in terms of of uh, uh, some of the things that that uh, I've learned, uh, which you may agree or disagree with, but I've learned that's uh, about uh, what makes for really high quality uh, leadership. Uh, and then I want to just spend uh, uh, ten minutes or so just thinking about. Um, how what's happening in Wales just now uh, relates to what I've just been saying to you. Uh, how far uh, does the, the whole educational reform programme in Wales um, uh, create the conditions, I think, which will allow, encourage um, high quality uh, leadership uh, in the system uh, to flourish throughout Wales? And, I, and, I, and I, uh, my argument will be, I think, that the, the conditions are there. Uh, the question is, um, you know, are we up for it? Uh, 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 to what extent uh, are the opportunities which, which are around just now going to be taken uh, by all of those across Wales that are engaged in, in uh, the process of, of realising high quality education for young people? So one of the most impressive things uh, I think about the current reform in Wales is the extent to which um, it has retained a commitment to purpose. Back to what I was talking about at the uh, right at the outset. Uh, uh, those uh, four purposes which underpin uh, curriculum for Wales, um, as far as I can see, are being consistently reinforced uh, uh, in the main, uh, in terms of, of uh, uh, the, the way in which things are evolving and have evolved over the course of the last two or three years in the face of, of, uh, of real uh, difficulties. Um, so that first point about uh, leadership and purpose, I think uh, uh, the potential is there uh, in Wales for, for uh, a purpose-driven approach to reform as opposed to um, a, 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 an approach which is about initi an initiative driven approach to reform and it's it's a it's a more fundamental uh, uh, way of doing uh, doing things and and right from the from the from the outset in the national mission and so on um i think it's interesting the way that was framed uh, uh, by welsh government uh, and that was to put the curriculum, and remember, the curriculum is not just a list of things to be learned. It's not just a set of subjects. The curriculum is our represents our aspirations for what our young people should learn and become as a result of their time in, in school. Um, uh, and that's been placed right at the heart of uh, the Welsh Reform Programme. Uh, and then thinking again about interdependencies, 
the nature of the 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 uh, enabling objectives, as they've been called in Wales, the things that need to be put in place in order to to help to make sure that we can realise our aspirations, which are um, represented in that curriculum. Uh, that's the way that the the, the reform has been framed. Uh, uh, so that sense of purpose at the centre and that notion of enabling objectives in relation to that reform creates, the, I think, the context within which um, uh, uh, continuing to have purpose and values at the centre of what would drive decision-making, decisions at all level, what matters in terms of what's taught, uh, pedagogical decisions about the nature of the learning and teaching process, and maybe critically, decisions about what it is that we should be assessing and how we assess it and what part does assessment play uh, in relation to realising uh, our uh, aspirations. So so I think that that, that part of, of, of uh, uh, what Wales is doing reflects my own view uh, as to what's likely to lead to um, sustained change uh, in a, in uh, an education system, if if that if that itself can be sustained, and it's definitely a question of so far so good. I think in relation to that, there's a lot of a lot of of uh, evidence that despite all the pressures, there remains uh, a, a focus on those purposes that underpin the curriculum for Wales uh, uh, throughout. Uh, I think also that notion of of which I talked about in terms of. Uh, Collaboration, agency, participation—the uh, buzzwords that are around just now—but they're they're they may be buzzwords, but they actually are, uh, I think, do represent things that really matter. Um, and right from the outset, uh, the way in which Wales has gone about its reform uh, has reflected that commitment uh, to to ensuring that the that, th that those who will be involved in uh, realising the aspirations of the curriculum. Are right at the heart of helping to shape that curriculum. Um, so instead of, of, of a curriculum that is handed down from the centre and schools are simply told to implement it, um, uh, there's much more of a, uh, both in the in the development of the curriculum and now in relation to the, the, the way in which that curriculum will be taken forward, uh, there are huge opportunities um, for those in, in leadership positions in, in, uh, in schools to take advantage of the, of the of the invitation that's there from from uh, uh, Welsh government to be right at the heart of shaping uh, the nature of of what happens in schools rather than simply delivering expectations that have been determined elsewhere. One of the things I think which which is it's important for me to say is, uh, uh, having had the chance to work with and observe um, education systems in different parts of the world, um, the the. Uh, Ministers in Wales have um, been particularly, uh, in yes, minister terms, brave uh, in terms of uh, placing huge faith in the teaching profession in Wales, uh, not uh, having the kind of, I think, delusional assumption that if you define it sharply, tightly enough at the centre and then tell people to do it, it will happen because that doesn't work. Um, but it can look strong politically. But actually what's happened in Wales is that the successive ministers, uh, successive governments uh, have placed enormous faith in the uh, capacity of the teaching profession in Wales. And, and particularly, I think, those who are in leadership positions in Wales um, to be able to, to, to take this, this greater freedom um, 
the, the, the legislation that has surrounded the curriculum for Wales is much less prescriptive than anything that went before. So there are huge opportunities uh, uh, there uh, for leadership at all levels in Welsh education to, to realise um, uh, and to take much more ownership of the reality of, of, uh, of what's experienced in our, uh, uh, in our classrooms. Uh, I, I think in, in, in terms of, of uh, uh, some of the other points that I, that I raised, again, if you look at it, the potential is there uh, uh, for all sorts of, of uh, um, dimensions to be realised in relation to um, uh, creating a genuinely, um, going back a number of years, learning country, a genuinely committed approach to a, 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 an education system and a wider set of, of uh uh, interests that are involved in education to be um, at the heart of a dynamic and changing education system. Now, if I reflect on the uh, uh, on where we are following the pandemic, the pandemic uh, uh, has raised huge questions uh, about uh, the nature of 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 learning, the role of schools, uh, the nature of the curriculum, what learning really matters when youngsters were not at school and we had to think about what it is actually they needed to learn uh, when they weren't sitting in a classroom going through the, 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 the normal processes. Um, that provides a very sharp focus on thinking about what really matters. What is it that, that, that really, we, we, if they do nothing else, we've got to make sure this sort of thing happens in the learning, in the learning process. Now countries throughout the world are having to think about that in a, in a very direct way, what really matters. Well, actually Wales had that debate prior to the pandemic, Wales was engaged in a process of asking what really mattered. Those purposes uh, that came out of the, 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 the broad engagement of, of uh, uh, colleagues throughout Wales, those purposes meant that, that, that at least part of that debate had already taken place in Wales and therefore Wales has been better positioned than many countries to use the reforms that were already in place to be part of the answer rather than an additional burden. Uh, oh goodness, we're now making us, you know, do all these, jump through all these new hoops. But actually, it was a continuation of a process uh, which the, pa the pandemic undoubtedly interrupted um, and in some cases may have uh, accelerated uh, aspects of, of, uh, uh, of, the, of, of, of what needs to happen in order to ensure that that's, uh, that that's there. Um, so when I, when I look across uh, the nature of the Welsh reform. If you think about the changes that have taken place uh, in accountability, think about uh, the way in which Eston has redefined its uh, uh, its role. Uh, think of the way in which uh, the consortia uh, and the the um, uh, traffic light system has 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 changed with much greater emphasis on support rather than challenge in the uh, uh, in the process. Again. Uh, uh, and account, uh, changes to accountability that are helping to create the context within which leadership at all levels in the system can can take the kind of decisions that they need to take uh, in in order to do what's in the best interests of of of, uh, of young people, rather than simply trying to ensure um, uh, that that the that they satisfy the expectations of external accountability mechanisms. And again, one of the things that I think uh, we've learned uh, uh, over the course of the last 20 or 30 years is that where where you have that kind of high stakes external accountability, um, the temptation to game the system is huge. 
the temptation to say, well, if, if I'm going to be judged on whether these metrics move above or below a line, uh, my attention is going to go on the things that are going to move a, move those metrics a little bit. And you lose sight of, in that process, the broader responsibility to every young person inside a school. And at its worst, you move to a situation where children serve the school rather than the school serving the, the children. So the, the move away from high stakes assessment, high stakes accountability in, in Wales provides enormous opportunities, I think, for leadership to flourish um, at, at all levels in the Welsh education uh, uh, Welsh education system. Um, uh, but that will not happen automatically. Um, and if, if I think on, on uh, some of the experience in, in, uh, in Scotland over the period following its major reform, uh, running from about 2005, six uh, onwards, um, there's a lot to learn from that in terms of, of uh, what makes for, for uh, successful reform and what can get in the way of, of successful reform. And I, I, my judgment is that most that Wales has learned a lot from the nature of, of that, that uh, uh, Scottish experience and is putting in place big investment in professional learning. Uh, 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 constant um, reference now, um, people can argue about whether or not they, they like or don't like the nature of what's being put in place, but the commitment is there to engage, to see professional learning as one of those key enabling objectives. The commitment is there to see leadership and the session we're having this morning uh, and the work that Tegwin and colleagues are doing is part of that commitment to leadership, a recognition that leadership um, is a critical enabling objective beyond um, the capacity of teachers, the, the capacity of leaders is the second single most important um, variable that you can influence uh, that will make the biggest difference in terms of, of uh, uh, get, achieving really high quality education for um, for young people. So just to conclude, um, what, what I've tried to say to you is that, that um, uh, based on my experience, uh, and it's only my experience and my, my reading of, of uh, uh, what's been happening in education and having been involved in, in some of it, at least over the course of the last 30 years, um, I think there are a number of very important characteristics which if we can put them in place, uh, will lead to high quality leadership. And as a result of that, will lead to the kind of high quality experience, uh, which our young people um, both need and uh, deserve. So um, Tegwin, I, I look forward to hearing the questions, uh, seeing how far people agree or disagree with what I've uh, uh, I've said. I'm, I'm not here as the, font of all wisdom, I'm simply reflecting, uh, trying to reflect back uh, on my own experience and my own observation and participation a bit in what's been happening in Wales over the course of the last uh, uh, half dozen years. Thank you. Well, Graham, thank you um, for that. Um, so much in there to remind us about our leadership role um, going forward. So I'm not going to say uh, too much now. I'm going to um, ask the team to put you into breakout rooms so that you get an opportunity in your groups to discuss what you've just heard Graham share with you in his presentation. So have a good chat and think up some questions that you might want to ask uh, Graham on your return. Welcome back everybody and thank you for your commitment and enthusiasm in the groups. 
Um, we've got lots of questions for Graham. And I think I'm safe to say, Graham, that it hasn't come across as being self-indulgent at all. We've really valued the insight that you've been able to give us and to bring back some of the optimism into how we are actually doing. You can get them um, bogged down in the day-to-day -day business and actually forget that there's some light shining through. So thank you for that. And I think that's probably reflected then in the questions and the number of questions that we've got. So on Gintav, we'll go straight ahead now. Sean Rolls. Sean has a question for you, Graham. Thanks, Gail. Um, should we be concerned if some schools are designing extensive knowledge-rich curriculum plans? I get um, frustrated and impatient uh, about um, the knowledge skills debate. Um, uh, it seems to me, uh, as we as we too often do, we set up kind of uh, false dichotomies in in education. You know, so that uh, it's either all one thing or all another thing, uh, and we don't. Um, uh, and then we into camps. You know. Uh, 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 often based on a kind of, of uh, uh, reductionist view of, 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 of what we actually mean. So um, the, the, the phrase that's often used, um, Michael Young's phrase about powerful knowledge, uh, I, I think has led to a, a, an unhelpful uh, argument as if um, the accumulation of, of learning was uh, the test of success. Uh, uh, from my point of view, the power of knowledge lies in the ability to use it. Uh, it's the ability to, to apply it, the ability to be creative with it, um, uh, and that knowledge uh, is, is uh, the, the knowledge skills thing, you, don't, you, can't, you can't deploy a skill without knowledge. Uh, it underpins um, uh, any skill. Uh, is is uh, is a degree of knowledge. So I think the question um, that we we have to resolve um, is back to that what matters question at the end of the day. Uh, and certainly, um, if if a curriculum was simply um, designed to maximise the acquisition and the accumulation of uh, information, um, then I'd worry about that. Uh, uh, so back to what I said earlier about the business of balance, I think we have to be clear, um, uh, very clear in our own minds, what it, what it means for a young Welsh person to be educated. Uh, what's the kind of, uh, what, what, what is that, how do we define that? Do we define that as uh, uh, they would do very well in mastermind? Is that, is that, uh, is that what defines an educated uh, person? Um, I think the reality is that what we have to do is to is to think through, and there isn't there isn't an answer to it. We have to think through this relationship between the kind of things which, um, as a society, in terms of of uh, what we know and understand, uh, you would expect people by and large to to um, to have. The, the, uh, but critically, uh, uh, the focus of a school ought to be on helping people to use knowledge, to apply knowledge, to be creative with, with, uh, with knowledge, um, to, know what, to know how to acquire uh, knowledge and to know those things that need to be um, 
retained in order to function and to be you know part of a society and what would characterize you being part of a society so so it, it, the question if, if I'd be worried about an, a, a, a curriculum that's that's uh, devoted to the accumulation of of, of uh, information I would worry about that uh, if I had a curriculum that was um, said knowledge doesn't matter, you can just Google anything. And uh, so you don't need to know anything. Uh, or we'll, we'll focus on, on, on some notion of, of, uh, of skills. And if we need to know someone, we just Google it. I'd worry about that too. Uh, so that, that it seems to me the skill, part of, of our skill as professionals, as educators, is to engage in that, in that, uh, in that balance. But I think where we, we've tended to focus too much on the accumulation end of the process and not enough on the application uh, and creative use end of the process. So it's it, there isn't there isn't a, a, there's an answer to the to to the question, uh, and I just wish we wouldn't get into a kind of knowledge skills, you know, um, debate, you know, as if as if they weren't interdependent, which of course they are. Jochen Howard Graham, Sean, I hope that um, gives you some thing to think about further, really, and brings us back to that scales of balance that you talked about earlier, Graham. Um, if we take another question, um, this time we'll go to Simon Roberts. Yeah, morning, uh, Graham. Um, it's, um, it was an observation from our group, really, I suppose, that we, we talked at length about how those key values keep coming through, that those are the most important things, and that then permeates into what we do with our senior leaders, with our with our ALE leaders, with our curricular subject leaders, and then on to into our lessons. But it, the discussion turned to how we manage those expectations that are still there from some outside um, accountable um, areas that that could impinge on you challenging your your values and whether they are. Um, to be seen by the outside world as, much, as well as you see them within your own organisation. So it's just it was an observation really about how how how, how you manage your your, your values within your organisation and how you um, use those to to direct the learning within the, within your school and how you manage that with the pressures that still exist from some outside influences. Yeah, Simon. I think an interesting, uh, 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 interesting question, and, and it gives rise, can give rise to a uh, a debate. I remember uh, back in uh, uh, Gordon Brown's days, he tried to uh, we're going to define British values, whatever uh, whatever that meant uh, at the end of the day. And of course, that just ends with a uh, uh, with disagreement, you know, as to what uh, what really matters. I, I think the important thing, um, what we haven't done throughout my career. Um, it's talked very much about values. We've kind of taken it all for granted and assumed that that's just there. Uh, and then we get involved in the stuff of day-to-day -day business. Uh, I think the most important thing there is, um, is to talk about it, you know, is to, is to engage in what can be quite difficult discussions because within any group of people, there are going to be um, differences of emphasis, at least, in terms of of, uh, of value, now you would hope in an educational setting we could pre pretty quickly arrive at that essence, that core of things. Again, going back to what I said earlier, constantly focusing on the young people, 
constantly focusing on, on the nature of, of every young person. So values that are associated with social justice, values that are, are, are associated with the, the way in which we relate to each other as, as, uh, as human beings, uh, values that relate to the nature of, of um, some of the very, very complex issues which our young people uh, who are tomorrow's leaders? I mean, they're, the, the world of tomorrow will be shaped by the people who are in our schools just now. They will determine the future. Mm. Um, so, uh, being not being afraid to engage in the kind of of uh, discussion, difficult discussions about values, uh, seems to me to be uh, would be a step forward in terms of of helping our young people to uh, themselves form their own value systems and 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 as as future members of society um uh, again be able to engage with incredibly complex issues where and highly contested issues um not just from a, a purely pragmatic point of view of what seems right at the moment but actually to have something more fundamental understand that there is something more fundamental rather than it is just a response to the uh, how you feel in in, in relation to the to the, to the moment and and I think as we the issues that are around just now um the, in terms of 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 uh value positions this is a more complex environment uh than I can ever remember you know in terms of of uh uh where we are in terms of of uh, uh so-called austerity what's going to, I mean the, the decisions that are going to be taken this morning are values based you know, uh, um, the decisions around um, geopolitical changes that are taking place are values-based. Climate decisions are values-based. Uh, we haven't really talked about that too much inside schools. We've kind of, of focused on the, on on the on things that are safer to talk about. But actually, I think getting young people to understand um, that who they are is defined by the values they have um, is something that we should. Not shy away. We need to, need to do more of an education than we have done hitherto. Thank you. I think there's a sense of bravery as well, and being true to what you believe as well, isn't there? And, and sticking to sticking to that. I think sometimes. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But I mean, when we're talking about recognizing that that you know that that our values are not absolute, mm. you know, so it's it's that openness and that being willing to to engage in discussions, which may help. To reform or 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 uh, make us think about our own values, you know. So it's not just I'm right; <laughs> these no. are my values, and I'm going to come hell or high water, I'm going to stick with them. You know, there's it's that it's because it's a value position itself, <laughs> that willingness, you know, to engage uh, uh, and to be challenged seems to me to be uh, uh, an important aspect of, of developing your own values. Thank you. To your assignment, you've brought us back perfectly there, Graham. To your second point of a characteristic was the ability to work with others to persuade and not tell, isn't it? To listen to other people's values and try to build a team that can empower you to feel stronger as well, isn't it? To hold on to what is most important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, we'll take another question because we have lots of them. Uh, shall we go to Orla Williams? Orla, I believe, is in the post-16 sector. So it's good to get another perspective. Ola, over to you. Um, I'm, uh, we had a discussion, first of all, and I was interested to hear the perspective of those in primary and secondary, because the new curriculum that has been introduced 
has really been developed, I feel, unnecessarily, um, but to the exclusion of the post-16. And there hasn't been a full consideration of what is going to happen once those students are deciding to go down the vocational or the academic route. So my question really is, did we learn anything from the Scottish model on which the Welsh one was very loosely based on in the beginning? So have we learned lessons from Scotland? Well, as I said in, 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 uh, in my, my opening remarks, um, I think that the, the, within, the, within the UK, uh, Scotland was the, f- the first of the, of the jurisdictions uh, to think quite differently about the curriculum. Uh, and that was back in 2003, 2004. And there were a number of countries across the world, the jurisdictions across the world, that were uh, engaging in similar kinds of discussions. So if you look at um, the Melbourne Declaration in mm-hmm. Australia, if you look at the Singapore curriculum, um, there are remarkable similarities in terms of how those countries and others, in, you know, British Columbia and so on, across the world, there's remarkable similarities in terms of of um, moving away from a curriculum which is is it was hitherto defined in terms of what was to be learned uh, towards a curriculum that was to help young people uh, to to be more focused on what people become as a result of their learning. Uh, uh, and those the, the the purposes or the capacities in Scotland were doing that now. I was obviously involved in the Scottish um, uh, curriculum reform. I, I was he- I, I, I principal advisor to ministers at that time in Scotland. Um, and the two or three things which, which I felt Wales could helpfully learn from Scotland, one was um, the, the concept of, of, of a capacity is too limiting. Uh, if you think of a capacity, you tend to think of something that has got a, you know, a beginning, middle and end. You're, you're capable of something and it, it kind of suggests you can put it in a box. Uh, whereas if you think about a purpose, it invites you to engage with things as they are just now and think about how that purpose can best be developed. Uh, it, it, so it's more dynamic as a, as a concept rather than a capacity which tends to settle. And I think in Scotland that probably is what's happened. Uh, that the four capacities um, in in Scotland have become, um, and, and it's now there's now, a, as you may know, a, a, a debate in Scotland, a national discussion taking place. Part of which will be to to uh, think about the nature of that um, uh, that curriculum. Only part of that will be about think the nature of that curriculum. So I I, I think one of the, one of the things I think which Wales. Um, it, has learned, or which I advise Wales to learn from Scotland, was to move away from the notion of capacities towards towards purpose. So you got a purpose driven curriculum uh, rather than a capacity driven driven curriculum. I think the two or three other things which I think Wales needs to learn, and part of it does relate to the post sixteen sector, um, is uh, how does this how does this flow through uh, into qualifications? Sorry to interrupt, um, Professor, but. Should that not have been a consideration right at the instigation and the discussion and the planning stage, rather than now having a post-16 review, looking at how the new curriculum is going to impact on post-16 and how we can prepare for it, because the students coming through to us will have a very different experience and will have had capacities and measures that have been very different to the past. And yet we weren't involved, we weren't a loud voice in that that. Proceeding, and that worries me. That worries me a lot. 
Yeah, I think it would be true to say you weren't allowed voice. You were involved. The post-16 sector was involved in the in the process. And I, I certainly sat in on meetings uh, uh, where the post-16 sector was fighting its corner quite strongly, I'd have to say, in relation to uh, how it related to the, uh, the curriculum. But the curriculum was, of course, is a school curriculum. Uh, uh, so that the, the 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 nature, I suppose, not surprisingly, the nature of the initial discussion was very much on on uh, um, uh, on the implications for for school. I think I, I, you're right that one of the problems that we learned from Scotland, and I think we probably are just in the middle of that just now, is that you really have to think about qualifications at the same time as you're thinking about the curriculum uh, in Scotland. Um, the 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 um, policy was that the qualification should be curriculum led, uh, so that instead of uh, the experience hitherto, which I think is what it kind of scarred a lot of the thinking in in Scotland, where secondary education was dictated by uh, what an examination body decided it was going to examine, uh, uh, and the backwash of effect. Uh, that backwash effect ran through almost the entirety of secondary uh, oh. education. So the determination was, and the decision taken by ministers at that time was, um, in Scotland, to leave qualifications um, to grow out of the curriculum. So you take your curriculum decisions, which were not, which were not, and we know capacities in Scotland were not capacities just for up to sixteen, and then you forget all about it. I mean, the notion was it was that would be something that would that would continue, but your qualifications would then consider. How to take that forward uh, into um, uh, a post sixteen in, in, in environment? In fact, what happened was that in many cases there was a discontinuity. It didn't articulate very well. One didn't flow into the other, and and uh, it was probably naive, uh, I think, to think that you can just simply leave qualifications on one side uh, 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 to to grow out of the curriculum. I think the challenge in Wales just now, and the debate that's being had just now, uh, which qualifications Wales is is engaged in. Um, needs to learn from that Scottish context. And uh, as we all know, you, 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 the nature of qualifications, qualifications serve many purposes. So they're, they're not simply driven by the curriculum that went before. They, they have to serve lots of other purposes in relation to how they're going to be, how they're going to be used in, in, uh, in society and the economy more, uh, more generally. So I think the debate in Wales just now um, is going to be an interesting one. Uh, around uh, how do you stay true to the to the purposes that were in the curriculum for Wales, but, but arrive at a qualification system uh, which sure grows out of that and is true to that, but also takes account of 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 the the much broader context within which qualifications exist than simply uh, inside a, inside a school. So um, your your um, your chiding is probably justified. Uh, uh, but I, I, I don't, I don't think that means that that Wales can't get it right. No, I don't think it uh, that it means that we can't get it right. But um, I do wish that we had been considered in the whole of the planning because I think it would have removed an awful lot of anxiety. It would have preempted, um, you know, the changes that they're trying now to make to things like GCSEs, the post sixteen qualifications, the change to A levels such as English literature and language being combined, and the fact that we feed into a UK university system that doesn't necessarily appreciate the changes that have taken place in Scotland or Wales or Ireland. The challenge in Wales is, 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 is slightly greater than the challenge in Scotland because, of course, uh, 
the Scottish qualifications have been different uh, and have their own currency, if you like. And I suppose that currency uh, has been hard won. You know, so um, I think I, I saw some research a while ago that said, uh, you know, advanced higher physics in Scotland is that is the most demanding examination there is in the UK. Uh, uh, so there's a, there's a there's a nature of there's a, there's a there's a set of qualifications in Scotland where which have you know well, the higher goes back to 1880 or something you know it's a, it's a it's it's been there a long time and it has gained currency with English universities. Wales has a more difficult job in terms of of sharing a qualifications framework uh, mm. with uh, with England already within GCSEs. Um, there's quite a bit of flexibility in terms of how that brand is interpreted in a Welsh context, uh, which is a bit different from the way in which it's interpreted in, in uh, certainly in in, uh, in England. But all of that, I mean, I, I, you're absolutely right, and that is exactly the debate that's got to be uh, got to be resolved and had just now. And it's and it's it's actually a debate that has is being rekindled in in Scotland just now because. Huh. Um, there's a big review of qualifications under, being undertaken in Scotland just now, and part of that review. Um, and uh, one of the risks is that the more you depart from what you currently have, the more you may debase the currency in terms of how other people regard um, those qualifications. And that's a very difficult balancing act to balancing act to. to I'm going to jump so, in, Ross, if you sorry. don't mind. Sorry <laughs> interrupting you. Um, the question that Ola asked does align with quite a few other questions that we had around the same theme, really. And somebody has also spoken in the chat around some of the discussions that have happened this week, Graham, uh, with Jeremy Miles. So I think this is something that we can, we will certainly be looking at further going forward because it's a hot topic at the current time, isn't it? Hmm. But um, with your permission, I'll go on to another question because time is running out and we've got quite a broad and balanced um, audience with us today. Bethy, diolch to others who have asked the similar question, and I'm sure it's something we'll come back to. But we'll move on to a question now from Joe Coetto, please. Diolch, Joe. Ours was a combination of questions from different people, and I think I was volunteered to ask it. So um, it incorporates sort of two, two or three things. So does um, not wanting to be overly direct with schools, does that hold us back as a system in terms of what are we actually meant to be doing? And does it hold us back from sharing within the system? And then we talked about cognitive overload. Is there too many avenues of support, too much information to us for us to be able to find our way through? And then along with that, how can schools be really confident that they're doing the right thing? So it's sort of a jumble of things that, that are related in some way. Yeah, and they, they all really um, relate to where we've been. Uh, and where we've been is in uh, a high state of dependency, uh, where schools have been dependent uh, on decisions taken elsewhere uh, and have derived their confidence uh, from the extent to which they have complied and are seen to have complied with expectations that come from elsewhere. Uh, I think the evidence is pretty strong uh, that that doesn't work, um, that the, the, the lines of, of uh, uh, control uh, emanating from Cate's Park uh, through to Anglesey uh, an awful lot happens uh, in uh, along those lines of control, uh, and messages get completely uh, distorted. And and if we look at the history of centrally driven educational reform, 
across the world. Um, the evidence is pretty strong that there's a huge gap between um, aspiration and reality. Uh, and that very often the reality is almost the reverse of what was originally intended because there's a kind of Chinese whispers process that as you, as you try to transmit the message from the centre to the periphery, um, that what ends up in the people people reinterpret and reinterpret and reinterpret, uh, and it doesn't actually end up um, anything like what was originally uh, intended. But what you lose in that process is also people then feel um, that they're simply carrying out instructions. Um, and I think one of the one of the, the questions for the teaching profession in Wales um, is how brave are you? Uh, you know. Are you brave enough to back your own professionalism? Uh, are you brave enough uh, to be able, uh, in terms of whoever it is that's coming from the outside, uh, to say, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it, here's why it's in the best interest of young people, and here's the evidence to show that it's working. Um, that's that's really what's required in, in, a, in, a, in a process. But we've been so used to strong, high-stakes external accountability that's created a degree of dependency uh, in the system, a uh, kind of learned helplessness uh, in the in not just in the Welsh system, but I mean this is a general a general point I'm I'm making. So so I think I think it's quite understandable that at this point in time, um, uh, people are learning not 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 just a new vocabulary. There's all there's the vocabulary that surrounds a new curriculum. That'll become, you know, you, people will be surprised how within a short period of time that just becomes second nature. That happens, you know, that happened back in 1988. You know, that's that just happens in terms of 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 there. Uh, the, the trick will be to stay true to the to the original intention. The trick will be uh, uh, that we don't lose, you know, in the jargon, we don't lose the narrative. Uh, that this this the story that underpins what Wales is doing just now. Um, Remains and, and and I mean it's a job that, that I probably bore people to death by by uh, keeping on repeating. But whenever I'm asked to talk about anything, I always go back to why are we doing it. I always go back to this is the this is the reason because uh, as as I said earlier, that balancing act. Uh, we get driven towards the tactical. We get driven towards the thing that matters most at the moment. Uh, and the more that we're subject to external control, the more that's where we'll be. What is it that we have to do in order to make sure we don't get around? Uh, is uh, you know where you, where you operate in, in a highly directive, highly externally accountable uh, uh, system. So it, 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 it's superficially easier to go for a directive system. It's superficially easier to gather the great and the good together, put the wet rails tiles around their head. They come up with a curriculum, and then you train schools to do it. You train teachers and schools to to do it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, there's there's no evidence that that's what that's what leads to high quality education for young people. And then if you throw into the mix the extent to which uh, change in in society is happening almost exponentially. I mean, uh, without being too hyperbolic about this, you know, uh, the, what we mean by a school 10 years from now, I think will be radically different because the nature of technology is giving young people, and the pandemic accelerated this, is giving young people access to instructional learning. And I use the word instructional advisedly, um, which makes them no longer dependent on the school. 
you know, if I get a poor maths teacher and I don't really understand quadratic equations, I can go on to YouTube and learn how, you know, I can find out about quadratic equations without any bother. I don't need, I'm no longer a prisoner of geography. I'm no longer a prisoner of the school I go to in terms of instruction. But where schools really matter is creating that community of, of learning, inspiring young people to want to learn, helping them to think about how they use their learning. You know, if, and if you talk to young people how to go to school, they, mainly they say the most the thing we like most about school is the fact it's a community. You know that's what we that's what we like about uh, uh, about school is being part of that uh, uh, part of that community. And the more the teachers feel that they are just simply technicians that are implementing something, the less you get that kind of rich community. The less you get that notion of, of teachers as learners as well as young people as as uh, as learners. So uh, what's happening in Wales is not easy. I mean, that's for sure. This is not easy. Uh, and it's it's uh, very dependent on, on the teaching profession rising to the challenge. And I know that, you know, uh, it's easy for me to sit here in North Berwick and say that, but that's the reality. It, it is very, this will only work. This will only work if, if teachers, you know, take the opportunities that are offered. If that doesn't happen, Within a few years, we'll be back to highly direct, centrally driven system because politicians will inevitably say, oh, uh, you know, we tried that, didn't work. Teachers aren't up to it. We need to give them a good thrashing. You know, that's the that's the the uh, that, that's that's the risk uh, in in if we don't if we don't make this work. So um, it's all about confidence in our own professionalism. It's all about um, working with colleagues. It's all about that that notion of 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 we're not on our own. We can work together. Um, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't buy the argument that we're held back um, because it's not centrally directed. Because centrally directed stuff, uh, uh, in my experience, doesn't work. At the end of the day, it doesn't doesn't actually lead to what you uh, uh, hope to work at the end of the day. But there's a, there's a balance. There's a balance. There has to be enough central, and Wales has tried to strike it through its legislation, um, and the extent to which it's trying to create opportunities for for uh, uh, colleagues to, you know, explore this together. Um, I've been doing some work with Guare up in the north, and I've been struck by the extent to which the way in which they are they are approaching this curriculum reform is so different from anything that would have happened before in terms of how you actually, um, you know, build the capacity of, of of schools to be able to realise the reform in in, uh, in practice. And if we get it right, it'll be spectacular. <laughs> Time to be brave. Time to be brave. Yeah, Diolch Joe, an, another excellent question from our associates and their leaders across Wales. I think we have one time for one more, Graham, and I think we'll probably take, we'll pick up on something that's gone into the chat. I think it's Mark's question, and, um, or it could be Maria, because I can't see the name in, in its whole entirety, but it asks the question about the middle tier. Is it a help or a hindrance? What do you think? It depends. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, the notion of it depends what you mean by the middle tier, apart from anything else. I mean, the middle tier is 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 what the middle tier is are the consortia. Uh, the middle tier is Eston. The middle tier is Qualls Wales. Um, is that what we mean by the middle tier? Uh, yes, uh, I think that's what they mean. That's what we understand it as. And all of those are very important players in the system. Uh, if we take Eston, um, education is far, far, far too important to be unaccountable. 
So the trick is to get intelligent accountability, accountability that gives the reassurance that's required, but in so doing uh, doesn't have all the unintended negative effects which high stakes accountability can have. And that's what Eston are trying to do. Uh, that, that, that I really say to you, look at what Eston are trying to do. And this is not easy for an inspector to do because there's all sorts of expectations on inspectors in terms of what they do. So they're, they're trying to adopt an intelligent approach to accountability um, uh, that, that gives reassurance to the uh, to to the the public at large, to parents to, uh, and others, uh, that their children are not being experimented with, uh, and that you know um, that the, the the school is, you know that's the so so Eston good inspection creates confidence uh, and creates the space for innovation, because parents quite naturally want to see schools looking like what they experienced when they were at school. That's a very natural, and and if it doesn't look like that, begin to get worried. Uh, and and good inspection can help to reassure them and say your kids are getting a better experience as a result of what's happening in the school rather than a worse experience. So that bit in the middle tier is important. The consortium is part of the collaboration process. Um, I think when they were part of an accountability mechanism, that that created all sorts of perceptions about them, uh, which which there are, I suspect, legacy issues in terms of how people think about them as they try, try to change the nature of what they do. But if they get it right, and as I say, the work I've done up in the north uh, with uh, with Goya, working alongside Goya, has been you know, a, a consortium that is genuinely trying to orchestrate networking, genuinely trying to orchestrate learning uh, across schools and using the resource of the consortium in order to help that, uh, order to help that, that, that happen. So... Uh, the middle tier is an easy target. Um, uh, I, looking at Wales from the outside, uh, I think there's a, there's a there's a real will on the part of of, of the organisations that are in the middle tier to be part of the solution in terms of moving forward, rather than to be part of the problem. But if they get it wrong, I mean, inspection, high stakes accountability can be and often is a drag on. Reform. So, you, if you're held accountable for yesterday's criteria and not tomorrow's or today's criteria, then of course people are going to, you know, try to keep their nose clean by observing. And, and you drag. There's a drag on on uh, uh, on innovation as a, as a result of that. So, I think there's, there's the the you can see the pieces taking shape in Wales. They're not right. They're not yet there. You know, it's not. This is not a perfect system by any stretch of the imagination. No system is, but you can see. You know that the attempt to bring it to, to bring it together and to try to create something which, um, as I say, if if it if it works at the end, if if all of this does fall into place, uh, uh, will will move Wales from what I experienced when I first came down, which was a lot of of teachers who were very apologetic about the Welsh education system, and said, "Well, no, we're not very good." Well, that's just not true. <laughs> it's just not true. Uh, but somehow, rather, they, they, they had been demoralised. Um, or felt demoralised. Um, they now feel daunted, I think, but uh, <laughs> daunted is better than demoralised. <laughs> and I think you've also brought us back again, Graham, to one of those things you listed as a characteristic and one of the critical aspects was autonomy. And there is more and more opportunity for leaders, particularly, and teachers to step into the middle tier and take advantage of opportunities. For example, today, isn't it? to see that there is a will for collaboration amongst a lot of the, the people working within that tier. Yeah, so, um, I, 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 Gil, I worry a bit about the word autonomy. Um, okay, Because it, it. it suggests, <laughs> leave me alone, you know. Ah, yes. I, 
I prefer them. I prefer, it's a more more demanding. I prefer, prefer the word responsibility. Okay. What we're seeing is not, you know, schools just left to get on with it, and but yeah. we're seeing there, there's greater responsibility being given to the school system to take the kind of decisions that are going to lead to um, high quality education should lead to high quality education in in uh, in Wales. A autonomy is a kind of leave me alone word. Um, yeah. you know, I know best. No. Leave me alone. I, I think it's it runs slightly against a collaborative culture and a learning culture. I mean, I know what you'll mean by it, and it's so I'm, I'm being I'm, I'm being pedantic, but I do worry a little bit about it. Oh no, that's an interesting definition, and responsibility actually makes leadership at all levels so much more significant, doesn't it? Absolutely, because you have individual responsibility at every level. So no, I I appreciate that. Thank you for the distinction. Um, I think we've come to an end now of our opportunity for questions, but the chat has been alive. So there's obviously, you know, plenty of interest in the discussion today. Um, I think now I'm probably handing back to Ted Gwen. Thanks, Gail. I'm a questioner. Thank you to everybody who asked a question um, and apologies if we didn't get around to asking uh, your question uh, today. We have run out of time. I'm going to hand over to Graham for a, a very short summary um, of, uh, of, of, of maybe some key messages that you'd like to leave us with uh, this morning, Graham. Yeah, thanks, Tegwin. I'm, I'm not going to attempt a summary, but uh, you know, just based on the on the uh, on the questions and on, on, on the discussion, just two or three points to that I want to to reinforce at the risk of, of becoming of labouring the point. Uh, uh, the balancing that I talked about in my opening remarks is just so important. That relationship between context, purpose, strategy, and tactics, and the the tendency for us to become uh, very much at the technical end of, of what we're talking about, and, get, and that all matters. It's got to be done well. So, so uh, it's not that doesn't matter, but it's it's constantly setting that in the context of what it is we're trying to do, where we're trying to get to, not losing uh, the uh, the underlying message. That's that's uh, that's very important. So I think that that point about purpose, which I, I, I have to say, uh, Wales has has I think done a super job in terms of of desperately trying to hang on to that. In the face of, of pressures, we'll see what happens in secondaries once um, qualifications enter into it. That that is a that is a, a point of high risk in the whole process, uh, and we'll have to see how that is uh, uh, is managed. My overall message, which I've I've I've, I've tried to put across, is uh, of 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 the education systems that I've had experience of and and uh, work with in a variety of guises over the course of of uh, of my career. I think just at the moment, uh, Wales is putting together most of the the the, the pieces in the jigsaw, uh, uh, which which are really important. Uh, but go back to the point about the overall story, and, and uh, everyone will remember the the um, and Wise sketch with uh, Andre Andre Previn um, about playing the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order. It's it's that notion of getting um, of, of 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 things fitting together in a way that is harmonious uh, is the trick at the end of the uh, end of the day. And uh, as I've said two or three times, that critically will depend uh, on the teaching profession in Wales giving both parents, the wider community, and particularly the government confidence um, 
that they both believe in this and that they believe they can do it. And we're just coming uh, up to half past 11, so we want to make sure that we, we finish on time. What can I say in the short amount of time that I have left? Um, impossible to summarise um, the, the last two hours, but you have really engaged um, our thinking um, and bringing us back to why we're doing this um, and that those young people um, in our educational organisations are our priority. And um, it's not too much about the risk taking about having a go, it's about getting it right, isn't it? To make sure that as those young people move through our system, and it was great to have uh, representatives from post 16 and the youth work sector online, as well as uh, school leaders today. Thank you uh, for joining us, because those children will be in the system um, of education and, and will um, carry um, that their learning with them. So it's really important um, for us to be mindful um, of, of that journey. So a huge thank you. Um, we really appreciate you uh, spending time with us, albeit um, from uh, North Berwick um, uh, and, and not in person. Um, but it's been absolutely uh, wonderful to have you discuss with us as well that Q&A opportunity um, for, for us to, to listen to your perspectives on some of the things that are still causing us some concern here in Wales around how we might move, move forward. Can I also thank everybody for joining us? It's been brilliant to have so many of you um, online. Um, and also a huge deal to Gail um, for facilitating uh, the, the Q&A uh, session as well. Um, and it's been really good, I think, to, to rethink our, our purpose as leaders um, in how we take this forward. And hopefully the next two sessions um, will support that thinking as well. Gobeithio'n eich bod wedi mwyn hair bennod hon o bodlediad yr Academy Arwynyddiaeth. Tan ysgrifiwch ar Spotify, podlediadau Apple neu Google a pheidiwch byth â cholli pennod. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leadership Academy podcast. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts and never miss an episode.